You may be seated. Honorable members, Honorable members, before we proceed with today's business, I wish to announce that the vacancies which occurred in the National Assembly owing to the resignation of Mrs. D. P. Nguenya and P. Sindane have been filled with effect from the 10th of December 2021 by the nominations of Ms. P. Marey and A. Mr. A. Matumba, respectively. The vacancies which occurred owing to the passing away of Mr. D. M. Gosi has been filled by the nomination of Mr. C. N. Malimaja, with effect from the 25th of January 2022. The vacancy which occurred owing to the resignation of Ms. S. N. August has been filled by the nomination of Mr. B. N. Heron with effect from the 2nd of February. Lastly, the vacancy which occurred owing to the passing away of Mr. S. M. N. Malo has been filled by the nomination of Mr. S. S. Zondo with effect from the 8th of February 2022. The members have made and subscribed the oath and affirmation in the Speaker's office. I welcome you Honorable members. <laughs> Honorable members, I wish to remind you that in the interest of safety for all present in the chamber, please keep your mask on and sit in your designated area. Thank you. The, sec the, first, uh, the secretary will read the first to second orders of the day together. Introduction of the Appropriation Bill and tabling of the Division of Revenue Bill. Introduction of the Second Adjustments Appropriation Bill. The Honorable the Minister of Finance. Honorable Speaker, His Excellency, the President of the Republic of South Africa, Minister. Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa, His Excellency, the Deputy President, Mr. David Mabuza, Cabinet colleagues, members of the Executive Committee for Finance in the provinces. I have got the honor of having a guest, the Minister of Finance of the Democratic Republic of Congo, who is around us today. The Governor of the South African Reserve Bank, the Commissioner of the South African Revenue Services, Fellow South Africans, it's my honor and privilege to table before this house 
2022 national budget The, uh, the 2022 Division of, Re of Revenue Bill, the 2022 Appropriation Bill, the Second Adjustment Appropriation 2021-2022 Financial Year Bill, the Estimate of National Expenditure, the 2022 Budget Review, and this budget speech. Madam Speaker, we stand here galvanized by the State of the Nation address delivered by His Excellency, President Cyril Ramaphosa. The President reminds us that as we face steep and daunting challenges like we have done in the past, we will overcome. To do so, we need to strike a critical balance between saving lives and livelihoods while supporting inclusive growth. The budget presents this balance. Our economic recovery has been uneven and risks remain high. We must proceed with caution. In the 2021 medium-term budget policy statement, we committed ourselves to charting a course towards growth and fiscal sustainability. This budget reassets this commitment. It narrows the budget deficit and stabilizes debt. It also extends income and employment support to the most vulnerable, addresses service delivery shortcomings, and provides tax relief. We'll come back in a moment to those areas. However, these interventions cannot replace the structural changes our economy needs. Difficult and necessary trade-offs are required the world economy is expected to grow by 4.4% this year. This is lower than 4.9% we anticipated at the time of tabling the medium-term budget policy statement. The Omicron variant of the coronavirus caused many countries to impose restrictions to manage its spread. In addition, continued imbalances in global value chains have limited uh, pace of the world economic recovery. The South African economy has not been insulated from these global developments. We have revised our economic growth estimate for 2021 to 4.8% from 51% at the time of the tabling of the medium-term budget policy statement. This revision reflects Madam Speaker, a combination of the impact of changes in the global environment along with our own unique challenges. Commodity prices which have supported our economic recovery slowed in the second half of 2021. Also violent unrest in July and restrictions imposed to manage the third wave of COVID-19 and 19 further eroded the gains we made in the first half of the year. Industrial action in the manufacturing sector, but the steel sector. Also, the, the re-emergence of load shedding also slowed the pace of recovery. The real GDP growth of 2.1% uh, of is projected for the 2022, which is an upward revision from what we said at the time of the medium-term budget 
policy statement. Over the next two years, GDP growth is expected to average about 1.8%. Tax collections since the time of the medium-term budget policy statement have been much stronger than expected. We now estimate revenue for 2021-22 to be 1.55 trillion. This is 62 billion higher than our estimate from the four months ago, and 182 billion higher than the estimate from the last year's budget. That this follows a shortfall in the previous year of 176 billion when compared to 2020 budget forecast. This positive surprise has come mainly from the mining sector due to higher commodity prices. The improved revenue performance is not a reflection of an improvement in the capacity of our economy. As such, we cannot plan permanent expenditures on the basis of short-term increases in commodity prices. To be clear, any permanent increases in spending should be financed in a way that does not worsen the fiscal deficit. We have also seen higher revenues from other sectors and other tax instruments, such as personal income tax and value-added tax. Madam Speaker, this year marks the 25th anniversary of the establishment of the Af South African Revenue Services. SARS plays a vital role in the economy and we congratulate them on this momentous occasion. We also welcome the current modernization of its infrastructure at border posts such as Bay Bridge to facilitate greater trade. Honourable members, we, more than 308 billion rand has been directed towards bailing out failing state institutions companies. Since 2013, frontline services and infrastructure reduced by 256 billion rand. In this budget, we are shifting from this trend and are restoring our focus on the four core functions of government. We also on course to close key fiscal imbalances and restore the health of our public finances. Our debt burden remains a matter of serious concern. This year, government debt has reached 4.3 trillion and projected to rise to 5.4 trillion over the medium term. This huge sum is owed to lenders domestically and around the world. It incurs large debt service costs, averaging 330 billion rand annually over the medium term. These costs are larger than spending on each of the health, police, or basic education. For this reason, to support the economic recovery, in this budget we are reducing the fiscal deficit and stabilizing debt. The consolidated budget deficit is projected to narrow from 5.7% of GDP in the fiscal year 2021 to 2022 to 4.2% of GDP by 
We now expect to realize a primary fiscal balance where revenue exceeds non-interest expenditure by 2023-24. The debt ratio will stabilize at about 75% of GDP by 24-25, and this is 3% uh, points lower than we had projected when we tabled the medium-term budget policy statement. Can you see all of these things are positive? This is also the first time since 2015 that we are reducing the borrowing requirement using some of the extra revenue we have collected. The borrowing requirements decreased by 135.8 billion this year and a total of 134.5 billion over the next two years. Though this fiscal outlook has improved, it is subject to significant risk. These include, amongst others, slow global and domestic economic growth, calls for permanent increase in social spending that exceeds available resources, pressures from public service wage bill, and continued requests for financial support from financial distressed state-owned enterprises. We need to stay vigilant and mitigate the risk where possible. In the up upcoming period, we'll do more to work to strengthen fiscal anchors. We'll also reduce the continual demands on South Africa's limited public resources from state-owned companies. For this reason, state-owned companies need to develop and implement sustainable turnaround plans. The future of state-owned companies is under consideration by the Presidential State-Owned Enterprise Council. Their future will be informed by the value they create and whether they can be uh, run as sustainable entities without billers from the fiscals. Some state-owned companies will be retained while others will be rationalized or consolidated. To reduce this continued dem demand on South Africa's public resources, the National Treasury will outline the criteria for government funding of state-owned companies during the upcoming financial year. We are aware that ESCOM's debt situation remains a concern for this, uh, its creditors and our, invest, our investors alike. It's a major concern. The government continues to support ESCOM to remain financially sustainable during this transition. To date, ESCOM has been provided with 136 billion to pay off its debt with a further 88 billion rand until 2025-26. We acknowledge, however, that ESCOM is faced with a large amount of debt that remains a challenge to service without assistance. What that means, if I may just explain, if I may explain, people have said, you know, if we dissect ESCOM's debt, there's a component of it which they call distressed debt. Whatever ESCOM can do, it can be able to fund it. One or the other, we've got to create some magic within the fiscals to deal with that. 
I just wanted to explain that portion to be more explicit. The National Treasury is working on a sustainable solution to deal with ESCOM's debt in a manner that is equitable and fair to all stakeholders. Any solution will be contingent on continued progress to reform South Africa's electricity sector and ESCOM's own progress on its turnaround plan and its restructuring. We expect ESCOM to take further steps towards cost containment, conclude the sale of assets, and implement operational improvement to enhance the reliability of electricity supply. The outcome of this work, which is legally and technically complex, will be announced within the next financial year. Madam Speaker, we have taken action to reform the electricity sector. This encompasses the lifting of registration threshold for embedded generation 100 megawatts. It also includes amendments to the Electricity Regulation Act of 2006 and the new generation projects that are coming online over the next few years. These interventions demonstrate the commitment of this government to solve South Africa's electricity supply challenges. Madam Speaker, we have had more than a decade of economic stagnation. All true sustained economic growth can, can suddenly, only true sustained economic growth can South Africa create enough jobs to reduce poverty and inequality, enabling us to reach our goal of better life for all. The economic reconstruction and recovery program remains essential to growth. We are accelerating implementation of critical structural reforms contained in the economic recovery and reconstruction program, particularly electricity, rail, ports, telecommunication. To complement these interventions, Madam Speaker, we will accelerate infrastructure investment, which is the backbone of a thriving economy. The National Treasury will be implementing the results of recently completed review of the public-private partnership framework. We aim to create centers of excellence for triple P's and other blended finance projects. The center of excellence will be established with direct treasury oversight. It will be a direct interface with private financial institutions for investment in critical government infrastructure programs. We will also work with other national departments in the provinces of the Eastern Cape and Northern Cape to pilot a revised approach to infrastructure delivery. If I may pause here, you will recall this is a message which came in the State of the Nation Address. And we're following through on that, on that message and giving content to it. This approach will include innovative financing and delivery mechanisms as announced by the President in the State of the Nation Address. Regarding the Muzimvubu Dam, we are at an advanced stage of resolving the project's issues. We will make further announcements on this in the medium-term budget policy statement. In October, I will I'll table amendments through the 2022 Division of Revenue Amendment Bill to enable provinces to pledge their infrastructure grants to leverage more financing to fast-track the rollout of infrastructure. 
Mr. President, in the State of the Nation Address, you spoke about the importance of catalytic and blended finance projects. These projects have the potential to crowd in private investors for bulk infrastructure. As we upgrade roads, bridges, water, sewer transport, schools, infrastructure, hospitals and clinics, the aim is to unlock higher levels of employment for those involved in projects. I'm pleased to inform this House that a provincial allocation is set aside in this budget for 17.5 billion over the medium term for infrastructure catalytic projects. We look forward to engaging with specific proposal in this regard. Value for money and quality of delivery is a top priority in the development of the project pipeline. To support businesses in distress owing to COVID-19 pandemic, a new business bounce back scheme will be launched using the mechanism will be, which will be introduced sequentially. Firstly, small business loans guarantees of 15 billion rand will be facilitated through the participating banks, development finances and development finance institutions. This will allow access to qualifying non-bank small and medium loan providers. Government will partner with loan providers by underwriting the first 20% of loss for banks and other eligible small and medium loan providers. Their legitimate criteria, including the requirement for collateral, has been loosened. This mechanism will be launched and operational in next month. Secondly, by April this year, we will indeed intend to introduce a business equity link loan guarantee support scheme. We intend to bring the total support package through the bounce back scheme to 20 billion rand. The equity support mechanism of this scheme will be facilitated through the DFIs. It will also be available to qualifying non-bank small and medium finance providers. Details of the terms of the equity link guarantee mechanism will be provided soon. Over the medium term, 76 billion rand is allocated for job creation programs. In this budget, additional 18.4 billion is made available for the Presidential Employment Initiative. <coughs> Madam Speaker, we do not aspire to be below 2% growth economy. We are capable of much more. In this regard, we are refining proposal for an expanded reform agenda to shift our economy towards a higher growth trajectory. In this budget, we are taking steps to support education, health, the fight against crime and corruption, and to improve capital investment, among others. Over the next three years, we allocate 3.3 trillion to, to the social wage to support vulnerable and low-income households. This is approximately 60% of the non-interest spending. We have prioritized spending on the following key areas. In 2017, government announced a policy for free, feel free higher education. We are, announce, we are announcing an additional allocation of 32 billion 
round for financial support to current bursary holders and first-year students under the National Education Finance Aid Scheme. Any further shortfalls will be funded from within the baseline of the Department of Education. Madam Speaker, at the height of the COVID-19, our teachers had to make tremendous sacrifices to ensure that our children get educated. Equally, our healthcare workers were among those that were the last and only line of defense against the pandemic. In this budget, we are adding 24.6 billion for provincial education department to address the shortfalls in the compensation of teachers. An additional 15.6 billion is allocated to provincial health departments to support their continued response to COVID-19 and to bridge shortfalls in essential goods and services. 3.3 billion is allocated to absorb medical interns and community service doctors. 87.7 billion is added to the police budget. The department is allocated one billion to implement personal reforms and another 800 million may be available in, in the following year, subject to satisfactory progress. That's the Department of Defense. We are also strengthening the resources of the justice system and our courts. In this regard, the budget of the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development is increased by 1.1 billion, while the Office of the Chief Justice received an additional 39.9 million. The South African National Road Agency receives an additional 9.9 billion for maintaining the non-toll road network. Over and above this, the Budget Facility for Infrastructure has approved funding for several water projects. 2.1 billion is allocated for raising the wall of the Klein William Dam. The Lipile Water Border is allocated 1.4 billion for the Olifants Fountain Ebenezer plants. The Umgeni Water Board is allocated 813 million for the Lower Mkomaz Water Supply Chain Scheme. I'm pleased to announce that the project to maintenance six border posts, including Bait Bridge, is at an advanced stage of preparation. Feasibility studies have been completed and a request for proposed uh, proposal will be issued in March 2022. Madam Speaker, we watch in outrage and sadness as flames devour the buildings in which our constitution was born. I'm gratified to learn of the enthusiasm of South Africans who want to be part of rebuilding parliament. I'm looking forward to truly a national effort of, for this. The Department of Social Development will receive the largest allocation of 58.6 billion over the medium term for the following. First, to initiate a new ex extended child support grant for double orphans. This is to encourage the care of orphans within families rather than foster care. Second, to provide inflationary increases to permanent social grants. For 2022-23 fiscal year, the old age, war veterans, disability, and care dependence grants will increase 
by 90 rand in October. The foster care and child support grants will increase by a once-off 20 rand in April. Thirdly, 44 billion rand is allocated for a 12-month extension of the 350 social relief grant, total distress grant. Honourable members, the social relief distress grant was introduced in 2020-21 as a temporary relief measure in view of the plight of those who have lost economic opportunities and were adversely affected during the worst periods of the pandemic. These emergency grants added to the country's already extensive social safety net. South Africa now pays grants to more than 46% of the population. Finally, the 2022-23 contingency reserve is increased by a 5 billion run. This provides for an amount already approved in the previous budget for the land bank to be paid in the new financial year. We remain committed, uh, if I may come back to the land bank issue, precisely because of the difficulties in settling with the lenders on time. We couldn't make the transfer during this financial year. Progress is being made in settling the, with the lenders and we think by the uh, beginning of the financial year we'll make progress and we're making that five billion available for the next financial year. We remain committed to controlling those parts of the budget that are permanent in nature, including by arresting historical rapid increase in the public sector wage bill. Compensation spending will increase marginally from 665.1 billion in 2021-22 to 702 billion in 24-25, at an average annual rate of one point increase 1.8%. As indicated in 2021 medium-term budget policy statement, we have allocated additional funding of 20.5 billion rand in 2022-23 to meet the cost of implications of the 2021 public service wage agreement. A public sector labor summit is scheduled to take, the play, take place as from the 28th to the 31st of March. This summit is an important opportunity for stakeholders to engage in building sustainable public services and remuneration guidelines. Basic municipal services require more support, especially for the poor. To address this, 28.9 billion is added to the local government's equitable share. Madam Speaker, we are making this allocation to uplift and provide services to our people. These funds must be used for the purpose they are meant for. Currently, 175 out of the 257 municipalities are in financial distress. We stand ready to work with Parliament and all oversight bodies to hold municipalities accountable for delivery of these services. At the same time, our municipalities and other institutions cannot survive if they do not receive payment from those who consume their services. We urge our people and government department to pay their municipality bills. Municipalities are also required to improve their service delivery mechanism and to ensure that billing systems are fair and efficient. Madam Speaker, corruption is a major blight in our country. It has lowered our economic growth potential 
made us physically more vulnerable and severely weakened the capacity of the state. Accounting officers need to ensure that their procurement processes have integrity, provide value for money, and are free from interference from political people like me. <clears throat> we also need to be clear on what we are fighting. We must differentiate between corruption and minor transgressions and the rules of policy or rules of policy prescript that are audited or as irregular expenditure. The National Treasury is engaging with Auditor General to continue to ensure transparent disclosures of minor transgression, but outside the financial audit process. As I indicated last year, the public procurement bill will be tabled before this parliament. In the light of the current constitutional court judgment on the preferential procurement regulations and the first Zondo Commission report highlighted abuses in state procurement, we are revising the bill to take account of these developments. We are also responding formally to the Zondo Commission report. In the meantime, we must take bold steps to improve state capacity and reduce the scope of procurement corruption. Working with SARS, the investigation, investigative directorate in the Office of National Director of Popular Public Prosecution has brought charges against company director and, and a Gupta associate involved in the uh, corrupt Estina Dairy product, Project. This is on charges of in, uh, fraudulent vet refined claims under declaration of, of plant and equipment expenses, exchange control violations. SARS is also recovering the fraudulent refunds that were claimed. We're also dealing with illicit trade. Just yesterday, SARS conducted a search and seizure operation. This operation uncovered another consignment of illegal tobacco products, bringing in the total of value of illicit tobacco seized during the pandemic to over 350 million. Overall, SARS has raised assessment of 18 billion additional duties, canceled the trading licenses of three operators, liquidated one operator and referred 18 cases for criminal prosecution. Finally, we are addressing the weaknesses in fighting fraud and, and money laundering identified in our recent mutual evaluation or, or our anti-monetary laundering system by the, what is called the Financial Action Task Force, uh, what is called FACT. Madam Speaker, households and businesses are still under financial no, it's how it is spelled. <laughs> households, households and are still under financial pressure and are coping with higher obligations. The effects of COVID-19 and increased fuel prices. Now is not the time to increase taxes and put the recovery at risk. <laughs> Accordingly, we have decided to keep money in the pockets of South Africans. <laughs> this budget includes a 5.2 billion in tax relief to help support the economic recovery 
provide some recipe for fuel tax increases and boost incentive for youth employment. Madam Speaker, our tax proposal for 2023 are as follows. The personal income tax bracket and rebates will be adjusted by 4.5% in line with inflation. The adjustment will mean that the, the annual tax-free threshold for a person under the age of 65 will increase from 87,300 to 91,250. What in practice, Dr. it means annual salary Medical tax credits will increase from 332 to 347 per month for first two members and from 224 to 234 per month for additional members. The employment tax incentives will be expanded through a 50% increase in the maximum monthly value to 1,500. I encourage small and medium firms to take up this incentive. We anticipate that the expansion will provide additional support worth of 2.2 billion rand. In 2021, the inland petrol price breached 20 rand per litre. The high prices put pressure on the cost of transport, food and other goods and services. To provide some relief to households, no increases will be made to this general fuel level and petrol diesel for the 2023. This will provide a tax relief of 3.5%. It could limit in speech. Now, one generous. So that's 3.5 billion to South Africans. There will also be no increase in the, but before stepping that, before stepping the fuel increase, a sentence I've not inserted yet. Uh, I've had discussion with the Minister of uh, Mineral and Energy. We, we are in agreement We've set up teams. The intention, the intention is to review the fuel price. Its structure moving forward. Because the intention is to make sure that we can have a petrol price which is competitive for this economy. So our teams will make this and will make the announcement in due course. There will also be no increases in the road accident fund. No increase again. <laughs> there is no increase on the accident levy. Uh, I've made the point between myself and Minister Mandasha to agree on the review of all aspects of the well price 
our team have already begun to engage on this critical work. Restructuring the corporate income tax system is an important part of our efforts to create a conducive environment to business to grow, increase investment, and employ more people. As announced in the 2021 budget, the corporate income tax rate will be reduced from 28% to 27%. For companies with a years of assessment ending on or after the 31st of March 2023. This will be complemented by a base broadening measure to ensure that there is no negative impact on revenue. Excise duties on alcohol and tobacco will unfortunately increase by between 4.5 and 6%. The increase means that as from today, at 340 millimeter can of beer or cider will cost 11 cents more. A 750 bottle of wine will be seven cents more expensive. A bottle of sparkling wine will cost an additional 76 cents. A bottle of spirit, ababe to get shy, not get whiskey, as Bashanga, the 4.83, 483 cents. A packet of cigarettes will cost an additional one rand three cents. 25 grams of puffed tobacco will cost an extra 37 cents. 23 grams of cigar will be no cigar but I'll go to Massachusetts. Six rand 77 cents more expensive. Government also proposes introducing <laughs> government also proposes introduce a new tax on vaping products of at least 290 per milliliter from 1st of January 2023. The rationale for that is not part of the tax system now. We've got to go to, through the processes required by law of consultations and all of the. I would have preferred to introduce it today. A new tax will also be introduced on beer powders. After three years of no changes, the health promotion levy will be increased by two rand thirty-one cents per gram of sugar. Madam Speaker, the structure of the economy will need to change to adapt to the needs of addressing climate change. As we reduce emissions, communities must not be left behind as production shifts to greener solutions. There are opportunities to access international finance to help pay for this just transition. The National Treasury is working with the new head of Presidential Climate Finance Task Scheme on accessing these resources. transparent so early. I don't know about transparent, but be transparent before need for man. I don't know how does that work. The carbon tax is the main mechanism to ensure that we lower our greenhouse emissions. The carbon tax rate will increase from, 
134 to 144 effective from the 1st of January 2022. As required by legislation, the carbon fuel levy will increase by 1 cents to 9 cents per litre for petrol and 10 cents per litre for diesel from 6 of April 2022. The first phase of the carbon tax will substantial, uh, with substantial allowances and electricity price neutrality will be extended to 31st December 2025. However, in line with our COP, uh, commitments at COP26, the carbon tax rate will be progressively increased every year to reach $20 per ton. In the second phase from 2026 onwards, the carbon tax rate will have larger annual increase to reach at least $30 by 2030, and the allowance will rapidly fall away. As the allowances fall away, we urge all our companies that have not already done so to develop plans to progressively reduce their emissions over the next 10 years. Otherwise, they will face not only my tax, but have difficulty in exports. Our exporters will face overseas border taxes for carbon-intensive good, uh, goods such as iron ore and steel, which will reduce their competitiveness. Madam Speaker, you will know that we have not increased taxes in the major revenue-generating categories such as personal income tax, VAT, and general fuel levy. We have reduced the corporate tax rate and broadened the tax base. However, let me restate my earlier caution that if there are permanent expenditure increases in the coming years, we have no choice but to revisit We'll have to in look at increasing some of the taxes we're calling. I wonder. Madam Speaker, in these trying times, and without compromising our ability to collect revenue, we've managed through these tax proposals to keep money in the pockets of South Africans and to create conditions for greater investment in the economy. Just before declaring the retirement, remember, somebody will say, oh, you said you have got 182 billion rand last year. You were transparent, you and then. That's why we're not increasing taxes. We can't say when you get such big amounts of money and so on, and we're transferring that and putting money into your pockets. That's what we have done. Then also Fundani budget review helps you on text one, chapter four, on debt, chapter seven. So let me go. Retirement funds play a critical role in channeling savings into productive investment. There's been this outcry about Regulation 28 of the Pension Funds Act, which sets out criteria through which these funds may make investment. After consultation, changes have been, made, have been proposed to, to these regulations to enable greater investment in infrastructure by the funds. After consultation, consultation again of these changes, the amendments will be gazetted 
next month ni mukdala nen bozamas gongum tunde ko pintlangan ko regulation 28 regulation 28 next month in them gazette march lo government has also proposed a fundamental restructuring of retirement system for individuals to allow for greater preservation and partial access to funds through what they call a two-port system part of this proposal includes the possibility of short-term access which would be determined depend on the approval by trustees of each fund let me just explain this thing let me just explain this thing there's a wongumbe and buza bukuto eh utito promised us buza sniki mali are you going to give us no i can't give you money from your own pension fund your own pension fund has got its own trustees the decision to take money out of the fund must be a decision of a trustee the only thing i'm going to do as a minister of finance is to create a conducive environment for trustees to make that decision if they think the fund is capable of doing so but to minister of finance what must copy man and must again no tinga phandle ngebail no your trustees must make the decision i will make the law which make it possible for the trustees to make the decision not me uh -uh. consultations are proceeding following the release of the discussion paper last year and the draft legislation on these amendments will be published for comment in the middle of the year in conclusion i would like to reiterate our commitment to reconstruction and recovery of our economy savings lives and restoring livelihoods as well as securing a long term prosperity of our nation it is often said that i believe that this applies to circumstances under which we deliver this budget you won't realize the distance we have walked until you look around and realize how far you have been we have been on this journey for a long time and we are still having long distances to walk before reaching our goal Madam Speaker I take this opportunity to thank the president and deputy president for their leadership and guidance I won't forget him Ngamir Sabule Sabule Thank my deputy Dr Masondo for his support the treasury team led by the director general who's finishing 23 years this year dondo that task which is team and i express my thanks to them my sincere gratitude also goes to the commissioner of the south african revenue services edward kwesma and the hard work of sars Many thanks to the governor of the South African Reserve Bank Mr. Shisa Khanyako and staff of the bank. Let me also thank my colleagues in the Minister's Committee on Budget and the Budget Council and the MSCs for Finance for various provinces who have shared the load and tough decision that have taken uh, made in this current environment. Similarly, 
my parliamentary committee members and of, of finance and appropriation, I express my sincere appreciation. Uh, even when I mess up, they always call me and bring me to life. Uh, finally, we will tribute to millions of South Africans who have resilience and encouraged during these times of pandemic and economic hardship and is an inspiration for all of us. No, and the question I have got to th thank Mam Fazwa, Mam Chawe, and I look nice. Uh, with those few words, Madam Speaker, Thank you very much. I thank the Honorable Speaker. You must present Speaker. the bill. Minister. Speaker. Speaker. Yes, Honourable Member. So the standard practice is that, I don't know whether we must stand up or sit, speak sitting down. The standard practice is that when a Minister of Finance finishes the budget speech, must introduce the bills, which must be deliberated and then refer them to the committee. He did not do so. Honourable. He has not done so, so he's amateurish. He must go back and table the bills. Okay. He must go and table the you bills there. We didn't hear him. Order. Take your seat, Honorable Mandashe. Take your seat. Take your seat, please. Thank you very much. Honorable uh, Shivambu, you may have missed this right at the beginning of his speech. The Honorable, the Honorable Minister did table the documents. He must do it again. I wish to protect him now. Thank you very much, honorable members. Okay, the later. papers tabled by the minister will be referred to the relevant committee. That concludes the business for the day. The House is adjourned. Long live the speaker. Thank you. <laughs>